Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey there, folks. This is Jay Madison, and welcome to a very special edition of Jay Madison's Rural America. Uh, We won't have our co-host, our usual co-host, Mr. Ron Robbins. He will not be joining us today. Uh, We're actually uh, recording this uh, for a very special reason. Uh, For you folks that may not be uh, listening from here in central and northern New York, uh, over the weekend, uh, Sunday, uh, let's see, it would have been April 23rd, uh, we had a little bit of an earthquake, a very small earthquake, uh, barely uh, barely noticeable other than the sound and a little shaking underneath your, underneath your feet. And then we were, had that followed by a couple uh, aftershocks, I guess you'd call them. So uh, received a lot of questions about, you know, why all of a sudden we're getting earthquakes here in northern New York. Um, and we've had one, uh, I think it was just over a week ago. And then we had the one yesterday plus the aftershocks. So caused people to get a little bit concerned. What's going on? Are we seeing an alien invasion or any crazy stuff like that? Or is it just the earth doing what it always does and we just don't notice as much? With that said, we've asked, uh, we we found a person who is an expert. We were very fortunate to find this gentleman. Uh, he is an expert in geology. Uh, he is a professor at SUNY Oswego State University, New York at Oswego. Uh, his name is Dr. David Valentino, and he's very knowledgeable about what's happening uh, below our feet here in New York State. He has his bachelor's degree from Temple University in 1986, his master's from Temple in 1988, and then his Ph.D. in geology from Virginia Tech in 1993. He's done a tremendous amount of research which includes the tectonic evolution of the Adirondacks and Hudson Highlands. Like I said, he knows his stuff when it comes to uh, New York State. He's also done research in geomagnetic mapping and gradiometry with applications in structural geology. And he's just got a ton of great papers. In fact, uh, one that I found very interesting, Dr. Valentino, was a, uh, a hike that you can do at Wellesley Island State Park. They've got a fantastic uh, nature center there and it has all kinds of cool rock outcroppings and geology to look at and he's got a paper published online that you can actually take a look at it and learn a little bit about the geology as you're hiking through Wellesley Island State Park one of my favorite state parks in New York State so would like to welcome Dr. David Valentino with us. how you doing Dr. Valentino well, thank you for the wonderful introduction, and I'm um, doing well. So I've put a lot of pressure on you. I've, I've said you're the expert. <laughs> I'm, I'm not so much an expert, more of a mile wide and an inch deep. Um, I, I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I studied lots of different types of geology, so, um, and I'm very familiar with the geology of New York State, having done quite a bit of work here the last uh, two and a half decades, and uh, having been involved with the New York State Geological Association for uh, some time. You, you've, done a, you've done a lot of uh, research on the Adirondacks, uh, am I correct? Oh, yeah, yes. I've collaborated with a number of people over the years on Adirondack work. 
Well, that's that's great. And, you know, for those listeners that may not be here locally in New York State, the Adirondack Mountains, part of the Appalachian uh, mountain chain, uh, beautiful area, uh, forever wild area, and uh, all kinds of cool geology that you can check out there. And, uh, you know, it's it's great to have you on here. And so you're very familiar with what lies beneath our feet here in the northern New York State. Um, yeah, a little bit. I'm guessing that yesterday you had to get a little excited too then when we had a little bit of an earthquake here in New York. Well, I, I was sitting right where I'm sitting now at my desk at home and getting a little work done. I felt the, I actually heard a little bit of a groan. I thought it was my house, a very old house. And then I heard, felt a little bit of the shake and it felt like a, like a large cement truck driving by, except there were no tr- trucks driving by. And I immediately, I, I immediately knew what it was. I, I have experienced this before here as well as other places. And I did get pretty excited about it. I bet. See, I was actually at a farm winery with my family and some friends. And yeah. I thought I felt a little shake underneath my feet. And I didn't see anybody reacting. I said, huh, I didn't think I'd had that much wine yet. But then all of a sudden, our phones started lighting up with people texting and calling, and uh, it turned out to be an earthquake. So it made me feel a little bit better that I hadn't had that much wine yet. So that was a good thing. Sounds wonderful. But uh, so, yeah, so for our listeners, uh, I don't know if you heard or felt or heard about the first little shake we had which would have been on April 14th, a little bit smaller. I think that was a 2.6 magnitude, um, and that was on April 14th. And I, I didn't feel any shaking. That woke me up. It was uh, There had just been fire trucks that had gone by the house for a different reason and woke me up, and I was laying there in bed, and then all of a sudden I heard this deep rumble, boom-type sound, and I was like, huh. That sounds like it was an earthquake, but I didn't feel any shaking. But then that next morning, all of a sudden, you know, bam, here's all the press, you know, small earthquake and stuff. And then yesterday we got the the 3.66, still a very small earthquake, I guess. But that one you felt and heard. And like I said, my phone lit right up. And then after that, we had several, I guess you'd call aftershocks that people reported and last night, I think it was about 9.30, 9.40, I heard another a, another little boom with a rumble. And uh, a couple other people on Facebook immediately, you know, had posted, oh, did you hear that? Another aftershock. And then the same thing happened this morning. I think it was, um, boy, I think it was around um, 1.30 in the morning. I, I don't sleep very well, so it doesn't take much to wake me up. And uh, I was laying there awake again, and all of a sudden I heard the the rumble, but no shaking. So I'm I'm assuming they were aftershocks. I didn't see any reports on them, but so we've had a number of aftershocks, and that was the most unusual part about this. I think was just that you know we we've had th- these two sort of little earthquakes, and then some aftershocks. Is that all that unusual for us? It's actually uh, normal. It's right within the norm, uh, very common. In fact, I'm looking at the map right now. 
And as of a few hours ago, there have been about eight aftershocks following the 3.6 of yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. So I don't, you know, because sometimes you wonder, okay, am I just dreaming or what? So it was, I was hearing the right thing that, well, I was hearing reality, not just dreams. That. Yeah. And these aftershocks are on the magnitude of like a 1.1, 1 1.4, 1 you know, magnitude scale. So not not hearing or not seeing them is, is even normal. And these could go on for days, weeks, or even months in some cases. Really? Okay. So uh, I, I should just plan on the potential uh, to hear that kind of little rumbling coming out of the ground. Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. So uh, it, before we get into the specifics of earthquakes and so on, you know, here in northern New York, we have, you know, we have the Lake Ontario Plains. Again, for those not listening, uh, we're located right off the eastern end of Lake Ontario. And when you're fairly close to the lake, it's it's a flatter, you know, more gentle sloped area going down to the lakeshore. We also have the Tug Hill Plateau, which is an area that rises up above the Lake Plains and it's sort of cut off from the Adirondack Mountains. It's its own geological feature. And then we have the St. Lawrence River Valley. Um, so we've got all of these interesting features to our landscape here in northern New York. How, do, how does all that get created? I know glaciers obviously had something to do with that, but geologically speaking, you know, what has helped form the, the Adirondack Mountains, for example? Well, to answer that question could take a lifetime. <laughs> uh, and I have friends that can testify to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the area where the earthquakes occurred, I guess near Adams, just yeah. south of Watertown, um, is in, it occurred, they occurred around 12 kilometers down, around seven and a half miles into the ground. So this earthquake release was in what we call the basement rocks of New York State. So these are very old they're crystalline rocks, they're igneous, they're metamorphic rocks, and it's the rocks that we find in the Adirondacks. And, and then coming to the west from the Adirondacks, there's a veneer, picture like a relatively thin veneer of sedimentary rock. Okay. And that makes up like the, 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 the Ontario plain is underlain by these rocks that are limestones. And then above that, you get into rocks that have shale and then up to the sandstone that, that, oh, holds yeah. up, that hold up the Tug Hill Plateau. So imagine this sedimentary veneer sitting on this you know, very rigid, crystalline, continental mass, and that's where the earthquake is centered. It's that, it's that deep because the veneer is really not that thick. Huh, okay. So th that veneer, uh, I live right on the edge of Lorraine Gulf. That is basically in my backyard, and I see the shale walls of the Gulf. Yep. And you're saying that the, the earthquake occurred in that layer of shale above no, the earthquake occurred in the rocks like the adirondack rocks oh, okay the, okay yeah yeah seven and a half miles deep not in the shallow sediments not in the sedimentary rocks like did you live in near lorraine gulf well that's the lorraine group sediments and that's shales and sandstones that's all part of the veneer that sits above the crystalline rocks okay okay so the earthquake occurred deep in the crystalline rocks Okay, so, and that's that's part of the, the, the structures, the Adirondack Mountain, uh, mm -hmm. Mountains, and then if you go up to the St. Lawrence River, are, you know, the rock outcrops that we see there in the Thousand Islands region, for example, is that part of the same uh, um, 
uh, type of rock that you see in the Adirondacks? Is that most of it? Most of it is yes, and we, we it's considered to be what's called the Canadian Shield. It's it's where the the crystalline part of North American continent in the east crosses the river there at, 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 along the St. Lawrence, and then we have the region of the Adirondacks that's connected to that. Okay, and so that rock that goes deep then seven miles down. Uh, that's where the now is there is there a fault line down there because we hear about fault lines out in California and San Andreas fault and all of that is well, there a fault line below us? Well, technically speaking, if there's an earthquake, then there has to be some release of the energy that's stored up from the compression in the crust, and so that usually occurs along some failure. It could be the slip on a minor fault. Uh, or it could be, in some cases, the formation of new faults. Uh, that's probably not the case here. We're probably looking at minor adjustments on pre-existing structure that okay. occurs in the in the old rocks. Okay, so this would be more of an old fault line type thing where there was a, just a minor, minor slippage of some sort, and that's what produced the energy to produce an earthquake. Well, the energy is just, is just the, the pull and tug of the continent. You know, the continents are always moving on the plates. And so that, you know, one element of the small earthquakes we see is that. And, and it's just that the continents are, they're moving along on the plates and there's, and, and that pull and tug or the stresses will cause minor adjustments along old faults. But we have a kind of an interesting situation where you are in that just to the north in the St. Lawrence Seaway, that is a uh, that's a rift zone is what it's considered to be. Oh really? And that, and yeah, and, and there's a seismic zone that correlates with that. It goes all the way from around Lake Ontario all the way out to the Gulf of, of St. Lawrence at the mouth of the St. Lawrence River. And um, and historically there have been some larger quakes along that fault. I mean in, in that fault zone. And in, like for example, in 1944, Messina, New York, experienced uh, probably what's known to be the most powerful earthquake in New York State. Huh. Yeah, and, and that was associated with that. So we, we see lots of small earthquakes in and around that zone of the St. Lawrence seismic zone is what it's referred to. Oh, neat. I, it, that's one thing I did not know about the St. Lawrence was that it was an actual rift zone. Does that explain some of the depth that you see in the river? Um, I, on, honestly, I don't, I don't. I think the depth of the river is probably more related to the erosion associated with the last glaciation and the and the drainage of ancient glacial lakes. Okay. Okay, but the rift zone itself is something much larger than the river, and it occurs in the rocks, you know, a, a, in, in Canada as well as in the U.S. Um, and and it's it's it explains a lot of the seismic activity that, that has occurred along that zone. Uh, you know, for many, many years, for hundreds of years. Okay. Now, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and we're talking with Dr. David Valentino, professor of geology from SUNY Oswego, about the earthquake that occurred yesterday and just over a week ago. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, is the, I, you know, I've done some reading in the past, heard about, you know, learned about, you know, what the glaciers did when they were, here uh, over our area, and the weight of the ice actually yep. compressed the the plates or uh, you know the tectonics, and once they melted away, that weight has gone away, and now the 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 bedrock is lifting. Is that correct? 
Yeah, what you're referring to is known as isostatic rebound. Okay. And so you, you picture the weight of a mile or two mile thick ice sheet that's that was here for a very long time. Yeah. For hundreds of thousands of years. And then when it melted away, uh, about between fourteen and ten thousand years ago, the the continent, as compressed as you described it, um, is rebounding very slowly. And this this really does explain a lot of the small quakes we see, not just here, but really all over uh, east northeast US and in Canada, you know, throughout the whole country that where that ice existed in the past. So that could be a little part of of this or not? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and, that, and that was the other part where, I, you know, the area is interesting because we have that component to it, but we also happen, that area happens to be adjacent to or associated with a known seismic zone. Huh. Very interesting. So the, the ground, the, the bedrock is slowly lifting back up, no weight on it from the ice, so it's slowly lifting back up. And then we have this seismic area this rift that you described along the st lawrence and there's faults that come out from that and and that is part of what causes these earthquakes pretty much huh very interesting very interesting um so you know let me ask you this then you know uh, we talked at the very beginning about um you know how i had heard last night and then early early this morning I had heard a sort of like a boom and a, a rumble in the ground, didn't feel any sh- shaking. So that you can hear an earthquake before you might feel it, or you might not even feel it if it's not a strong enough er- earthquake. Well, if we go back and look at the root cause of an earthquake, and this is, this picture yourself putting some force on like an elastic material, I mean, like you're pushing your hand down on something that's elastic, and if you push it enough, it'll break. And when that breaks, that all that energy that's stored up from the elasticity is released. And this is released as vibration in the crust. Well, sound is vibration in the air. So it, it stands the reason that vibrations in the earth can then translate to vibrations in the air that you're going to hear audibly. Or anything around you that's shaking, even things you don't see, may cause those vibrations in the air that we, that we hear in our ears. So like yesterday when I heard it, my likelihood, it was, it was my house that was experiencing the vibration and I heard the groan from my house. And, uh, you know, so it's like a secondary effect. Huh, okay. And, 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 and it's well known, you know, you, you, can, you go to anywhere where there's been earthquakes, especially even large earthquakes, the rumbling is extremely well known um, and, and goes hand in hand with the vibration of the earth. Very interesting. Very interesting. So you mentioned earthquakes in other areas, uh, you know, taking a look at California, um, are, are we similar to earthquakes in California? Are, are there different reasons for those earthquakes? Cause you know, obviously those get all the press, they're big, you know, while they have wow. the potential to be big and you know, uh, what's the differences or similarities between what happens here and what happens there? Well, the only similarity is the mechanism for an earthquake to occur, and that is stored up energy in the crust, and then that energy is released when there's either slip on a fault or there's rupture. But that's where it really ends in terms of comparing California to New York. California sits on an active tectonic plate boundary. It's a transformed plate boundary, Southern okay. California does. So one, one, the southeastern, southwestern part of California is on the Pacific plate. 
the rest of the states on the North American plate, and there's a vertical boundary between those. We call it, it's the San Andreas Fault, but it's really the San Andreas plate boundary. And it's, it's very active uh, where you have the interaction between these two plates. And it's the reason why there's the, 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 the stresses that are applied to the cross and why there's earthquakes so frequently in California, all up and down that, that fault line. We don't have anything like that in New York. And, and so the only comparison, again, with what we've experienced in the Adams area is the, you know, how earthquakes occur. And that's the release of, of stress or the release of the energy, the elastic energy. Um, so big difference, uh, you know, in, in terms of frequency, in terms of size. I don't think we, we could never expect to see the frequency or the magnitude of quakes that a plate boundary would experience. We're nowhere near a plate boundary. Okay. The closest plate boundary would be out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And so we're in the middle of a plate. So we consider these to be uh, intracontinental earthquakes. They're interior to the continents. They tend to be small, but that's not always the case, but they tend to be small and they tend to be infrequent. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably couldn't ask for a safer place to live uh, in eastern U.S. than where we are here in terms of the seismicity. Uh, that's that's a good thing. Uh, we don't get hurricanes. Well, we do, but by the time they hit us, they're pretty much just a tropical depression. And yeah. uh, tornadoes are very unusual, and when we do get them, they're small. And earthquakes, when we do get them, tend to be small. And that's a good thing. So we'll take that. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So, uh, you know, doctor, in, in what we've been talking about, just wondering what we've missed, what information haven't I asked you about that might be of interest to our listeners? Oh, boy. Um, uh, the $100 million question. Well, without boring anybody to death with the details of the geology, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, there are some kind of smoking guns for possible fault candidates that sit down below that area that could have experienced some of this slippage. Um, for example, there's a major ancient fault zone that runs from Carthage, New York, over to Colton, New York. Okay. It's called the Carthage-Colton Fault Zone. And it runs kind of northeast, southwest. And if you extend that out to the southwest in the subsurface, it goes right down through the area of Adams and south of Watertown and goes all the way down into Lake Ontario. And, you, and we can see that on some of the uh, other types of data that we look at uh, related to the crust. So having earthquakes that occur along some pre-existing ancient fault, we're talking about a fault zone that was active a billion years ago. Wow. Um, but the weakness is still there in terms of the structures are still there. And if there's any you know, pulling and tugging, that's gonna happen where those pre-existing weaknesses occur. So that's one interesting aspect that you probably won't hear from too many people, uh, uh, but if you look at any maps of the geology of New York State and focus on the Adirondacks, there's a division between what occurs northwest versus what occurs to the southeast. And that's that fault zone in the Adirondacks that cuts across and goes right down underneath the area of interest. Huh, well, that's... Uh... These are interesting things to learn. I, I'm enjoying this. Uh, and the other interesting thing that, you know, the general listener or the general populace should do is just don't worry about it. Um, yeah. It's really nothing to worry about. They're generally not dangerous. Even the one that occurred in Messina uh, back in 1944, it did cause some damage to chimneys on houses and some cracked foundations, but it was nothing like what we see in other parts of the world where there are substantial earthquakes. Yeah. 
Um, and I certainly wouldn't want to make any major life decisions based on the quakes that we experience here. I wouldn't worry about, you know, where I'm going to live or anything like that. Yeah, no, no reason to overreact to these. These are just um, a minor little uh, shake that uh, is more interesting than anything else. So no, no reason to freak out about, uh, about them based on what you're saying. Well, from my standpoint, I like it because it brings the science <laughs> that I study to the forefront for at least a couple of days. Well, yeah, it, it absolutely does. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, when you're having studied environmental sciences and so on, uh, when you're a geologist and you get an earthquake, it's bringing your science to life. So uh, it, uh, or makes it active anyways. So that's, that's kind of interesting to uh, have that happen. Well, doctor, we really appreciate uh, you sharing this time with us and all of this information. I think it's good to uh, share with our listeners that, you know, hey, we're, we can have an earthquake, but you know what? They're going to be pretty small and more of interest and something exciting to talk about for a day or two until the next drama happens. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, we've been talking with Dr. David Valentino, professor of geology at uh, State University of New York at, at Oswego. And uh, he happens to know a lot about what lies beneath our feet up here in northern New York. Uh, Dr. Valentino, thank you for your time today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to help. All righty. So, folks, that's it. That's what... Uh, what you need to know about earthquakes here in northern New York. Uh, uh, just in, enjoy the excitement for a few minutes and then move on. And uh, that's what we're going to do. That's it for today. Jay Madison's Rural America. And certainly make sure uh, you listen to all of our shows. We'll be back sometime probably later this week with another one. So have a great day, folks, and take care. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.